Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Hello, folks. This is the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a Social Media Examiner production. I'm Jeff C. I'm the host of this show and podcast and on the social team at Social Media Examiner. And I'm Grace Duffy, the producer of the Social Media Marketing Talk Show and a contributor to Social Media Examiner. Today, we are excited to be joined by today's guest, Rachel Penderson, and she is the founder and CEO of the award-winning social media marketing agency, The Viral Touch, and the founder and CEO of Social Media United. She's a top social media marketer and consultant, uh, leading authority on storytelling through social media and Facebook ads, and she also happens to be our resident expert on TikTok. So we are very excited to have her on the show. And the show today, we are going to explore an update on TikTok new self-serve ad platform, how businesses are developing content on TikTok, and much more. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. Yeah, it's going to be great. So before we get into all this TikTok ad news, I would love to have you give us kind of a general overview on TikTok for audience because it's in the news so much right now. And some people are still pretty new to. So can you kind of give a kind of a bird's eye view? Yeah, absolutely. So TikTok is essentially, I'll use some comparisons to make it feel a little more comfortable. It's similar to Vine in that it is uh, a user-generated platform, lots of content, tons of random content. They're looping videos that are 15 seconds or less, sometimes up to 60 seconds, but generally speaking, 15 seconds. It is now the second most popular app in the world, which is pretty crazy. I think it's only behind Facebook and it's taking over pretty fast. Snapchat CEO actually just said this week, I believe that TikTok is going to be much, much bigger than Instagram, which means He's saying bigger than Snapchat too, of course, right? Isn't that so crazy? Um, TikTok is a very interesting platform in that it has a totally different culture, but it's growing really fast with nearly 1 billion monthly active users. Wow. Wow. So so who's on it? Like what's the demographic for the, the platform right now? Great question. So everyone is on TikTok. It sounds kind of crazy, but everyone's on TikTok. Nearly 30% of users are over the age of 30, which kind of surprises people. And if you do the math, that is nearly 300 million users over the age of 30. Now, there are a lot of younger people on the platform, which is obviously something you notice when you first open the app. But as TikTok learns, oh, this person isn't under 20, they're going to serve you more of the content from people where you feel a little more at home on the platform. Kind of your own, kind of like a, (laughs) your own peeps a little bit. Yeah. So uh, can you give us some examples of like what companies or brands do well on the platform? 
Absolutely. So the platform's kind of designed really well for B2C. So if you sell directly to consumers in any way, big brands like Calvin Klein, Chipotle, EOS, ELF, even Walmart, they are advertising on this platform and using it organically. Netflix is absolutely crushing it with organic, incredibly fun and engaging content. So it's very, very, very friendly to B2C. Now, that's not to say there's not a space for B2B. It just takes a little bit of extra creativity to use the platform for that. Gotcha. Right. Uh, You just mentioned that there's like a whole mess of content on there, right? So when my kids are talking about it or their friends are talking about it, they're always talking about the music and the dances, right? So what kind of content should we as business people be posting on there? You know, is is it more music oriented, more dance oriented, or do you see other types of content on there as well? Yeah, great question. So there's a combination of music and dances. And while that's a portion of TikTok, if it's not right for you, you don't have to do dances and learn suddenly the new versions of the Macarena, aka Renegade. <laughs> like you don't have to learn those. Um, I will say I personally do those because it's really fun for me. And I actually come from a little bit of a dance background. So I enjoy doing those. It's easy for me, but most businesses aren't necessarily going to want to do the dancing trends or the crazy things. However, most Most videos are created on one of three things, and that is music that's in the app with trends and challenges that are associated with sounds that are kind of like remixed sounds from TV shows or other TikToks put together in a creative way to create a trend or a challenge, or your own created audios with your voice explaining something, maybe a how-to, maybe a quick uh, in case you didn't know. But those are the three major sounds that we hear on the app. Cool. So I'm going to ask a very old question here, an old person question here. So let me let me put on my elder millennial hat. Okay. so (laughs) how can someone that isn't maybe attuned to the culture on there very often or on there at all or someone that's getting started? How is a good way to kind of tap into what those trends are and what is going on? Like, how do you get kind of on board with them? As the kids would say, how do you get with the kids? I love that. So the biggest thing is you want to research. And I mean this so seriously because this app kind of unleashes like our take on everything from having kids to what a family looks like today, to politics, to how we eat our food. I mean, there are full out sometimes wars between vegans and meat eaters that are actually really fun for the first time ever. It's fun. And so Mm -hmm. what's really neat is you can dive into the platform and start engaging with your favorite influencers that, that are on the app, see how they're using it and spend some time getting used to the culture of TikTok because it's really different. This is a platform where you don't want to just Take your other content from other platforms and throw it up on there. It's not going to fit right. So I wanted to call out a comment we have here from Bo. He says that he's been having great success with TikTok, which is awesome. He says he's had big success with food art videos. And then on his other channel, he had a prank that was done on him and which has also, I guess, gone big for him. And then Natalie is also saying that they're finding TikTok to be a great platform for selling their own brand culture. I'm not sure what um, or who Natalie works for or whatever, but that is awesome. So we've got actual business people on there talking. Yes, that's very encouraging for people because, you know, a lot of people yeah. are like, I can't get my mind around it. So Rachel, so I have been gone to TikTok and looked at your brand and I've seen you do some really cool ones where you're actually pointing at the services that you have done kind of mm-hmm. in, in one of the trends kind of a thing. 
but who do you follow? I mean, how can you, I know you're into TikTok so much. So how can you stay close to all the evolving craziness that happens on TikTok? So I follow quite a few different people. Um, There's a few people who follow the trends really well. And I like to just kind of watch what they're doing and find my own take. Generally speaking, I like to follow people who don't have kids because I think I have this natural assumption and I'm sorry if this is totally a generalization, but I assume that they just have a little more time to see what's trending and, you know, they help me keep it real. Sarati is one person I follow. She's amazing. Um, she's actually one of the dealer, no deal girls on the TV show. So she holds a briefcase and she's an actress. She's in the Geico commercials. I love to follow her content because she does a great job with the trends. The Jonas brothers are crushing it with trends. They put out a video for every trend. They create their own trends. I like to follow them. I do follow a lot of celebrities on this platform. And then also there is this girl who takes trends and makes them very parent oriented. And her name is Ash Lay. And so I follow her, but her stuff can get a little bit raunchy sometimes. So I don't watch her in front of like my kids or anything. Oh gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Now this has been a fun platform for me to engage with my kids. I've got a teenager and an almost teenager. So <laughs> this has been a great way for us to bond as well. So diving into the news this week, there was an update from uh, Digiday. Mm-hmm. They were reporting that brands and businesses who have had access to TikTok's self-serve ad platform, which is currently in uh, beta right now, yeah. they've been super optimistic about this global media sensation and its attempts to reach the marketplace. They say it's relatively easy. They're capturing a lot of brand awareness. However, they also note that it probably lacks a lot of the robust targeting capabilities that something like Facebook or Instagram might have. Uh, they don't really have an API yet. And again, and or you know, they also bring up like the metrics aren't there yet. But again, this is just something that they're beta testing. So tell us, do you have access to the ad platform? And if you do, can you share your experience with us? Yeah, absolutely. So I have access to the ad platform. The one thing, there's a huge misconception when people hear self-serve, they assume it means like, oh, take what you want. But the truth is there's a minimum buy-in. So the minimum buy-in to run TikTok ads is $20,000 spent in the course of seven days. And that is the maximum amount of time that you can take to spend the 20K. So the packages range from $20,000 to $220,000. I do have access and I want to start running my own ads in the next couple of months. So I have the ability as an agency beta. This is like so many crazy technical words, right? Like (laughs) I have the ability as an agency beta to run ads for my clients on the app, but like I said, it it's, has to be 20000 so it can't be divided between clients. The dashboard reminds me a lot of Pinterest's dashboard, where it has some of like the data, but not the full amount of data that like Facebook ads have. And the targeting is decent in that we can target specific gender, age, location, device, but the targeting ability or capabilities with interests is definitely lacking. It is a new very, very young feeling ad platform. And so I'm really excited for it to have more of a robust feel, but it definitely feels like almost like early days, Snapchat, early days, Pinterest. And so when I go back and forth between TikTok and Facebook ads, I'm like, this definitely feels very clumsy and clunky still, but it's, I'm very excited about it. Cool. Yeah, it's still in early days, totally in right. early days. So can you tell us who has access to it right now? Who can get access to it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely not the right fit for small businesses. They're selecting, it seems, certain agencies. And we there isn't rhyme or reason behind why. It took me about four months to get access from the time I requested. Even once I had access and they said, yep, you've got it. It still took them a few months to kind of get everything together. So it feels like it's still really not immature, but underdeveloped. And they're still working on their processes behind the scenes. And like I said, there's no guideline as to who gets the beta access for agencies, but it's not necessarily brands that are getting access. It's more of agencies who can bring in clients. Gotcha. So can you mention Netflix is killing it on the platform and can you kind of walk us through what ads on TikTok look like for some people who may have not even been on TikTok, you know, the format, content, length, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So Netflix is crushing it with organic content. Okay. So they're putting out organic content that's almost every single time going viral. They are just nailing it. Whoever they have hired, oh my gosh, I would love to like snipe that person someday and get them. But literally their content's amazing. So ads look really native to the platform. There's several different forms of ads. When you first open the app, not in your first seven days of using it, but after those seven days, you'll see there will be an ad that pops up in your feed and you have the ability to skip it. Okay. 40% of users skip the app immediate or the ad immediately. I'm a part of that 40%. But 60% of users sit and watch the ad, which is really interesting to me. And the click-through rates on TikTok ads are a lot higher. They're finding that the average is seven to nine percent click-through rates. So click-through rates are phenomenal. So they're, I'm assuming they're full screen, they autoplay. Is there a link for the ads? Or are you trying to keep it around the same 15 seconds that you mentioned earlier? Yeah. So the ads can be even 15 seconds or shorter. Okay. So I'm finding that some brands are going really short with like three to five second ads. And that seems to be working. My favorite ads are the ones that feel really native to the platform. It's not necessarily the screen takeover, right. but it's more of the hashtag and challenge takeover. So those are the ones with the bigger packages that cost um, between 140000 and 220000 But some great examples of that include Chipotle, um, they've done several campaigns, including one in time for National Guac Day. And they ran a campaign. And the crazy part is that increased their upsells and their guac usage by, I think it was 67%. Wow. Unbelievable in one day. And so that was amazing. Calvin Klein ran a campaign and Comparing that to their Justin Bieber underwear ads, there was 10 times the engagement in 24 hours that the Calvin Klein underwear campaign had ever had. So there's not only an increase in sales, but there's also an increase in impressions, brand awareness, ELF, the brand at Target of makeup. They did the eyes, lips, face, y'all need to hype me up challenge. And that one had 2 billion impressions, which is just insane. Um, Another thing that is really important to keep in mind is that there's guaranteed CPMs on TikTok ads. For example, on the lower tier packages, there's a $10 guaranteed CPM, meaning they will make sure to serve it until you get the result that you're looking for. And then on the higher packages, there's a range from 20 to 40 million guaranteed impressions. So the cost per impression and cost per mil is insane. Wow. Well, you wow. mentioned guacamole and Justin Bieber's underwear in the same podcast. So we have may, we may break the internet because that hits everybody. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and makeup. Yeah. And makeup. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I was gonna, I was just going to say, like, I think you just hit like my demo right here. Like, <laughs> I was just thinking of all those things combined. I'm sorry. I was it's, thinking of an ad campaign in my head. I know it's it crazy. Went, it's it went so viral Friday. in my head. So so, and I know ads aren't necessarily a, a fit for, you know, smaller companies or medium sized companies. But what's a good way to make sure that to personalize that content, right? To make sure that the people that you want seeing your content, whether it's organic or paid, how do you make sure that the right people are seeing your content on the platform? Good question. So before anyone goes and looks at like my TikTok and says, I don't know if that's what she's talking about right now. I want it to be very clear that I literally want to attract everyone. I want everyone as my audience. I have certain videos that I tailor to different uh, portions of my market, but keep in mind that I have a different market than what you would think. So what is really important is as you create each video, think, how can I tailor this to my audience? So for example, if your audience is dudes with beards, you might want to make sure you have a dude with a beard and all of your caption and your hashtag are related to dudes with beards. Now, when it comes to ads, we don't have the ability to tailor our ads and our targeting that way. So instead you would use, of course, your copy and your content to qualify and disqualify people. The good news is if I saw a video with a beard, I might watch it just because it's interesting, but I'm not necessarily the target market. So I'm probably not going to sit and binge watch videos with beards. It's not really, I mean, even though I like beards, it's not my thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I can understand that. Um, so one of the questions we have here, here live with us, uh, Jill asks, what do I need to get my account verified on TikTok? And does that make any difference with advertising or not? Do you have to be verified to run Great ads? Question. Yeah, you do not have to be verified in order to get ad access, but with ad access, I'm sorry, with verification, that is something that comes from TikTok's launch team. So for example, celebrities who are connected with the launch team, which is a part of the ads beta access through the agency, that allows them to jump on the platform immediately with a check mark so that they don't (laughs) suffer the, you know, pain and embarrassment that the rest of us mere mortals have to have (laughs) when we start a new account. So like, that's literally a part of the process. But when it comes to someone who is not a celebrity, there is not a rhyme or a reason as to when TikTok decides to make someone um, or give someone verification. It's basically done when you've had repeat virals over and over and they've decided um, that either your account is at risk of being copied. And that's something that can happen on any platform. They see like people are using your uh, resemblance to build their own brands. Or if you have all these virals and they're just, they're wanting to protect you and give you the benefits of verification, but it's not required for running ads. Gotcha. Can you track conversions with ads? I mean, can we, like, can we, how can we track if TikTok's driving traffic to our site or landing page? Good question. So there's a TikTok pixel similar to Pinterest pixel, Facebook's pixel. There's not as much advanced uh, technology behind it, but you have the ability to track traffic generated. I do want to say, I assume that with like click funnels, there's always going to be some issues. So I'm a huge fan of creating a cloned funnel or a cloned website, a cloned entry-level purchase so that that way you're actually tracking it yourself just because as I've seen little glitches in the ads manager inside of the behind the scenes with TikTok ads, I would say make sure to track it yourself, but you can see all of it in your dashboard. Gotcha. 
Cool. Uh, we have a couple other questions here. Hannah asks, what does brand safety look like on the ad side of the platform? So we are going to get more into this, but are there a certain, when you have the ability to run ads, are there um, protections against running your ads against something that your brand might find questionable or doesn't really match your standards? I feel like that's a really personal business. Like each business needs to decide that themselves, right? When you run an ad, you get to ultimately create the creative. So you're not able to use the songs from celebrities or from musicians without licensing it. Maybe that's kind of what you're asking, but making sure that something is in line with your own brand standard is totally up to you. Does that answer that? Does that make sense? It's not going to show up in some weird place that doesn't make sense. It'll show up on the for you page. It doesn't show up like randomly on someone else's page at this time, but is there more to that question? That one was a little confusing to me. We're going to get into some of that more, I think later on in the, some some of the news. So uh, we'll, we'll touch more on that in a little bit. So beautiful. Yeah. Uh, there's another question about, is there a difference between a personal or a business account on the site right now? Like I know on Facebook, there's a difference between a profile and a page, right? So yeah. is there that distinction within TikTok right now? Yeah. So great question. When you go to your profile, you can select up in the top right-hand corner. There's three little dots. Go to access my account or manage my account, and then you'll be able to have the ability to switch it to a pro account. So then that way you access analytics, all of that becomes available at that time. I don't know if everyone has it available, but most people do have it available. There isn't a difference though at this time between a page and a profile. It's just one is for a personal brand and then one is created for a page. And you can manage multiple accounts with the drop down menu, which I just discovered for myself this past week. Very cool. Wow. That's a good tip. I didn't even know that was hidden in there. So, yeah. yay, dropping mm-hmm. knowledge everywhere we go. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Let's talk about ad strategy on TikTok, right? Especially if you're a small, mm-hmm. small, medium-sized business. What's a good way to approach it? Is it better to blend in with what's already happening there and try to fit in? And, you know, I, you know, I know we mentioned about doing things that made sense for your brand, but does it make sense to kind of do a showstopper, like do something completely different or would that be completely out of place or is it better to blend in? Good question. So when I think about like the ELF, the eyes, lips, face challenge, they trailblazed. Now keep in mind, they spent a lot of money doing several things. First and foremost, they had a musical agency create the song. And so they had this song created and then they launched it hiring six major influencers. So when you do a hashtag, um, a sponsored hashtag, you have the ability to select up to six influencers who get these spots called original. And they're the six that are pinned. So the bigger influencers you have in those six, the more likely it is that your contest, your challenge, whatever it is that you're running is going to go viral. So while you can trailblaze with something original, you can also tag along to an existing challenge, but you want it to feel TikTok native. You don't want to put something that feels like a commercial into your ads or into any part of your marketing strategy. Very cool. Do you have any like tips for brands looking to use TikTok in their marketing? Because like Courtney asked on the, here live, she goes, how can like nonprofits use this? 
Oh my gosh. So I wouldn't necessarily use uh, TikTok ads for uh, a nonprofit because the minimum buy-in is so big. Unless of course, TikTok donated a a buy-in for you, or unless you had a donor who said, we're willing to sponsor one you know, mm-hmm. media buy of TikTok ads, but organically you have the ability to grow massively. For example, my profile six months ago, I had like 6,000 followers on TikTok. And today I'm at 109,000 crossing 110,000 six months later. And just the other day I had my first nearly 1 million video views in a day. Wow. So it's kind of mind blowing how much exposure you have. And so if you start creating content that relates to your dream donors. Oh my gosh, that could totally go mini viral supporting your cause. Very cool. Absolutely. Another um, news item from Financial Times. So TikTok is exploring a curated feed aimed at attracting advertisers. So as we said, we were talking about earlier about what, you know, brand safety on the, on the platform and making sure that content that your ads are running against are carefully curated and selected. They also wanted to elevate original videos created by those professional publishers. I'm assuming that those are the influencers that I'm assuming from what Financial Times reported that it's those influencers. So much like rival Snapchat's Discover Channel or Instagram's Explore tab. So this feature would give TikTok users more control over their viewing experience and also ensure those premium advertisers that they don't end up running ads against questionable content. Content. And I think this would, in my opinion, I think this would allow those higher rates to come down more, maybe. I don't know. So again, this is just something that's in the early stages. It's not confirmed. It was a lot of three people close to the topic, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not completely surprised that TikTok is capitalizing on the app's rising popularity. Of course, if I was them, I would do the same thing and try to monetize quickly. And we see itself aggressively pitching itself to brands. I know it's available all over the world, but Financial mm-hmm. Times in this article we cite specifically mentioned the U.S. and Europe. Obviously, there have been some serious concerns around the content on the platform. I know I, as a parent, every time something new comes out, (laughs) Jeff and I were just joking about this earlier, about how, you know, when Snapchat came out, it was like, beware of Snapchat, right? Beware of Instagram. And there are, you know, there are valid concerns there. I mean, I think I'm old enough to remember, like, beware of online chats. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Bolton boards. So what do you say to brands that are rightfully maybe a little hesitant, a little cautious about where their ads might appear or how their business will be seen if it's running against or in the same feed as like something that they may find questionable, right? Or the same or to be tied to that. That's a tough one because we have to kind of break what the belief is about where ads are placed right now. So for example, when you go to your For You page, there is a little bit of curation but there's a whole bunch of random videos. So there's no way to determine what shows up on someone's for you page, except for their own engagement. So the experience for each person on TikTok is totally different. Your ads aren't running against something. So for example, if someone's newsfeed has really, let's just say, spicy dancing in their feed, that's because that's what they've already engaged with. It doesn't mean that the advertiser is showing up against those things. It just happens to be a video that shows up in their feed, but it's never tied with those videos. Does that make sense? It's so different than visiting a website and saying, oh, it was on this website. 
a curation of videos and each person's feed is totally different. So if you know the the naughty person's watching a lot of spicy dancing videos, <laughs> they may see an ad fed to them, but it's no yeah. different than someone watching HBO and Game of Thrones and suddenly seeing an ad, except that it's a, a completely individual experience. So it would be like if ad segments were created for us as users versus based on channel. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really good distinction to make. So a, a couple of times during the show so far, you've talked about going viral on TikTok and then a little bit mm-hmm. ago, you've talked about mini viral. So can you explain what does it take to go viral on TikTok and what is, what does viral mean? Is there a certain threshold that we have to cross before we're viral? Great question. So basically one thing that I do is I try to indicate mini viral because viral's thrown a lot around right, a lot. Right. And you guys know the true definition of viral is 10 million reached in like five to seven days organically. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that, but oh, I'd never well, go that's viral. Like so. the, that's <laughs> the media definition, but viral is really like taken out of context a lot. Yes. And so when I say viral, I'm usually meaning mini viral. Um, if a video reaches 10 million people on TikTok in a week organically, you have absolutely blown up. Like there's something massive happening. When I have had a video go viral to mini viral status of 1 million, 3 million in a week, literally I will see uh, like 52,000 followers in a month. It blows you up. So when a video goes viral, we're just going to use mini viral as viral, if that makes sense, guys. Um, Mm -hmm. What I like to look at is kind of what created it. So first and foremost, trends are very likely to go viral. Using the right hashtags, meaning little different than any other platform, going very micro in most of your hashtags and then having some that are medium-sized and then some that are large and you climb up the viral ranks. That's a part of it. But then there's also, and not everyone knows this, there's a hand selection of super viral videos. So Mm -hmm. TikTok's team of people actually choose which videos are going to go viral, reaching millions on TikTok. Very That's good to know. Yeah. That is interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever heard the media definition of going viral. Right, you hear the great. term so often, right? Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. I just like, it took me a moment to be like, oh yeah, that means something. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's what we usually a mean lot. viral by. So on the same, uh, related to this curate, curated TikTok feed, it appears mm-hmm. that the platform has some new ways that they're testing to do this. Uh, social media consultant Matt Navarra, who is always breaking great stuff, uh, he discovered a functionality and he shared it on Twitter. And the mm-hmm. first photo in this tweet shows TikTok viewers are now able to hide all videos posted by a particular creator. It reminds me a lot of Instagram mute, where you can mute people or that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you can also have the option to save it or add to favorites. But the second one's really interesting. It showed that users can hide all videos with a specific sound. And they say that these have already rolled out and should be available mm-hmm. with the latest version of the app. And it also he also broke the news that TikTok appears to be testing a new and improved search page that sorts videos by categories like dance, pop, culture, gaming, and a mm-hmm. couple more. Very, very interesting. Have you seen these new features on your account? I actually don't have them on my account yet. 
So every single feature rolls out in waves. Um, Mm. The experience of TikTok in Asia is years ahead of us, which is really, really cool. So they've had some features, filters, even sounds that we don't get over here, which Mm. is kind of interesting. But they usually roll it out in waves with no really rhyme or reason um, behind it. I, I still don't understand how they decide like who gets the features first. But at the same time, I'm really excited about this because I feel that this is going to bring so much improvement to the platform. The ability to hide a sound that's triggering or offensive or maybe super inappropriate. Like that's going to improve the experience for kids, for grownups, maybe for people who are survivors of experiences that were tragic. Mm. So I'm really, really excited about that. I also like the ability to sort on the search page because that's going to make it feel, I don't know, it's going to allow there to be more of a tailored experience. We know where to start when we're searching for things versus feeling like we're going into the great unknown by wandering into the for you page. But I also like that that is going to really help with the ads behind the scenes to serve things in a particular category. I think it's fascinating that the ability to hide a sound, I do not see that on any other platform. And I guess it's like they're able to know who is reusing the sound bites, right? Is that what it is? Or how does that work? Yeah. The one thing that's interesting to keep in mind is that doesn't guarantee that you will never hear the sound again because sounds are uploaded and then you could hide that particular thread of the sound, but then someone might remix it or re-upload it in a different way. And suddenly that sound will appear again. So you'd have to hide every single thread of that sound that you come across. That's kind of important to remember. Gotcha. That's good. So, Jeff, you're not going to be safe from the baby shark song. I'm sorry. Oh, I can't no. protect you from please. it. Oh, no my God. Baby shark. You. Sorry. Or it's a small world. Times. One of those. Those are horrible. <laughs> it's okay. It had a time and place, but now we use it to torture my husband. So it's totally fine. I'm totally on board with it. It's fine. He would like to block a sound. So, you know. Right. So you, Rachel, you touched on this earlier mm-hmm. in our conversation, and I'm so glad you did because I found it so, so fascinating. It was the Snap Inc. CEO and co-founder Evan Spiegel stating at a conference this last uh, this past week in Munich, it was the Digital Life Design Conference in Munich. Um, he was commenting on TikTok becoming a bigger hit than rival Instagram. So had a snap talking about TikTok going against Instagram. Some feisty words were thrown. He also said that um And I agree with him on this, that some of the core reliance on TikTok and what makes it so fabulous is that it is talent based content rather than status, which is, I guess, I'm assuming like influencers and likes and that kind of stuff on Instagram. And that's possibly a key to its success. So, you know, going back to our talk, when we were talking about like curating that feed and coming up with like really refining, it seems like it would just then become more status based content about, you know, who is going viral, who is influential. So how much do you think these levels of curation will make TikToks, you know, more about status and commercialization rather than that user-driven content. Do you think it would, do you think these kind of things will affect the culture on the site or in the app? I think that they'll positively affect the culture on the site um, because there's so many different niches. For example, I didn't know what a furry was before I went onto TikTok. <laughs> and sorry, sorry, I, we were, now we're talking about furries. We talked about underwear, guac. Oh my gosh! Maybe so just, there can't. are things that we. <laughs> 
don't always want to run in the world of not insulting furries. It's just not my flavor. So <laughs> when it comes to furries, I would maybe rather not have that show up in my feed because it just doesn't relate to what I'm doing and what my life is. So I think if anything, it's going to help us to find kind of our, our homes a little bit. I also love that this platform is honoring people for incredible original content. So when someone puts out something that's relatable or original or different or a commentary on something on life where people say, wait a second, I did that too. Oh my gosh, I thought I was alone. I'm a huge fan of seeing how that's working. Now, one thing I noticed in the comments, people are asking about like influencers and marketers. Um, the interesting thing about TikTok is that the culture does not like fake. And when you show up fake, you will literally not perform. You'll go viral in not a good way because mm -hmm. they want to see real. They want to see true. If you're showing up fake, they'll sniff it out and say something isn't right. And in fact, that's when they start commenting baseball caps and they say, I smell cap. That means you're fake. Mm -hmm. You're lying. You're exaggerating. So I smell <laughs> cap is this isn't real. And honestly, I'm loving that. And I don't think the categories will change that because the culture of TikTok is one that our society is moving towards wanting and craving real. So I want to talk about this a little bit because uh, I was thinking about this a lot this morning because of what uh, he said, the owner of Snapchat or the creator of Snapchat, he said, you know, about that mm -hmm. they're wanting to, you know, people are going there because it's entertainment, it's in, in engaging and it's, in, it's kind of celebrating the people who are being creative. And I was thinking about my teenagers and young adults in my family and how they're gravitating yeah. towards TikTok. Instagram was all, you know, it was making them feel bad. That's why they were removing likes. And it was like, look at me. Here's the self. It, it's the perfect yeah. life. I've got to curate this and make it look like this. And teenagers to me are seeming like they're getting sick of that. And I'm wondering oh, yeah. if that's some of the reason of TikTok's just explosion, because it's a place where you go, where you go to laugh and it's real, like you were just saying. And I, th I think maybe, th I think Facebook's really pretty worried. They've tried some other things to, you know, combat this, but TikTok's a place where they go to, to have fun and laugh and see silly things. Yeah. And what you were saying is be real. So I, it's just really, really interesting to me. I think so too. And, you know, if I'm being honest, I don't think it's just teenagers that are tired of the perfectly curated feed. I would love to pretend like the world of Instagram's perfect shoots it doesn't affect us as grownups. I think right. I have a pretty thick skin. But if I spend too long late at night browsing Instagram, the next morning I'm like, do I need to get a spray tan? And suddenly I'm like, no, my thoughts are different. And what I love about TikTok is I've been on there and I've made fun of my pale skin and other pale skin people are like, oh my gosh, me too. Like one of my videos that went viral for a different reason, I said I was searching for the palest person on earth to make sure it wasn't me. And people were like, I totally feel this. I can't find foundation that matches. And I was like, wow, this is really beautiful. And there was another video where it illustrated God creating me and he got distracted. So he poured all of his resources into my forehead and my forehead became really, really big. And all of these five-headed, beautiful, wonderful people were commenting saying, I'm so glad this is so relatable. And for the first time ever, I'm like, I love this. And it feels like home. See, I think, and I think I, that's a trend that's happening. So I think that's really yeah. fun to, to look at. The trend of positivity, definitely. And those of you that are listening to this as a podcast, you need to know Rachel is absolutely shining and gorgeous and wonderful. So don't listen to her and her pale 
challenge or whatever. She is she is brilliant and resilient. So on that, on that note, Rachel, where can we find out more about you and like follow you on TikTok? For sure. So my username on TikTok is the Mrs. Peterson, but it's all E's and a D. So make sure you spell it right or you won't be able to find me. And everything that you want to know about TikTok, you can find on my website at rachelpeterson.com. And of course, I've had incredible interviews at Social Media Examiner as well. So you can check that out to see some of the different things we've talked about. Oh, and uh, Social Media Marketing World is coming up too. And I will be speaking there all about TikTok. Do you know what your title of your session is called? I don't have it memorized. <laughs> it's on TikTok. It's probably, that's all we need to know, really. Yeah. No, um, I don't remember what it is, but we're talking about hyper virality and how you can literally go from being brand new to suddenly overnight, potentially having 10,000 followers on TikTok. Awesome. Is this your first time coming to the conference, Rachel? Is this going to be your first? It, it is. is. I'm so excited. I don't go to many conferences each year, so I'm stoked about this. It's going to be a blast. Yes. So it, go ahead, Grace. Oh, I said it's going to be lots of fun and I can't wait oh, to meet yeah. you in person. Um, I wanted to say that if uh, those of you that are just getting to know Rachel and we have been so fortunate to be able, we this is the second time we've had her on the show. She's been doing sessions and open office hours for our social media marketing uh, society. Uh, but if you want to hear how Rachel got started in social media marketing, and it is a fantastic story. I I found it very inspiring. And also she talks about how she discovered TikTok. Uh, check out our podcast with Mike Stelsner. He is the founder and CEO of Social Media Examiner. And he's also the host of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. It's episode 373. And you can find that at uh, socialmediaexaminer.com slash shows. It's called TikTok. TikTok. I'm sorry. TikTok. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was on a roll. TikTok, right. what marketers need to know. So please, uh, those of you listening to this podcast, please right after this one is done, after this one's done, you may go over to that one and listen to uh, how Rachel got her start. It is fantastic. Rachel, thank you so much for being on here today. We sure appreciate you taking your time. Oh, I, I love hanging out with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. All right. We'll thank talk to you, you later. So much. Bye now. Bye. So not only if you, you know, listen to the podcast, but if you want fresh breath, you can listen to our Tic Tac episode. <laughs> You stop that now. Uh, so anyway, um, we've got a couple of blurbs to give you about some news that is still uh, that's just uh, percolating up in the social media feeds. Uh, the first one is uh, really interesting. It's probably not too surprising to a lot of people, but Instagram drops the IGTV button from its main app. They say that most people are finding IGTV content through previews in the feed and the IGTV channel and Explorer creators profiles, and then still people are using the standalone app. It seems so. They have dropped that, so that's kind of the the news on the Instagram front. But um, what about Grace? Is this going to matter to you at all? No, it really doesn't. I was just going to say, I was going to ask you if this is going to have any impact on you. I have found that just going through my feed and finding the uh, video, the posts that are uh, the videos, and then has a little alert that says, would you like to continue watching this on, on IGTV? Most of the time I click over there and, you know, I, I find out how Rachel Ray makes that poster or whatever. Right? <laughs> right. And then sometimes I'm just like, okay, I got what I needed from that. I'm cool. But I strictly go through the feed and the people that I'm already following to find content on there. And I, I, it hasn't affected my usage at all. I like IGTV a lot. Yeah. Well, Tim here in the comments says that he uses a standalone app. I don't even know if I could find that on my phone anymore. I'm sure I have it somewhere, <laughs> but I don't know where it's at. So I don't use that. I'm like you, I use what's going on in the feed. So that's how I usually discover new ones. Yep. 
Next up, Instagram is testing direct messages on the web. This is a test that they are running with a small percentage of users around the globe. So it's not fully rolled out. Don't, you know, I think if you're in the test, you know that this is happening, right? So right. <laughs> I think this is, um, but anyway, so we reported this, uh, TechCrunch is the one that reported it and stated that web DMs could definitely help people like us working active marketers and students that are stuck at a computer all day or who don't have room on their phones or better yet, don't need the distraction of getting on their phones and getting, you know, going someplace else when they really are just trying to focus. The big issue, and this was uh, Facebook's former Chief Security Officer uh, Alex Stamos, he says that this cuts into that end-to-end encryption capability that uh, Facebook is uh, promoting through uh, Facebook, Instagram, and excuse me, WhatsApp. Um, but I don't know that this really matters to Instagram users. Do you think so, Jeff? That- I think it matters to marketers, but it won't matter to the end users. And we always forget about that as marketers. But I mean, mm-hmm. it'd, be, it'd be really, ha- I'd be really happy if they actually opened it up uh, to like third-party people to help, you know, like ma- like the Instagram apps that help you manage content. If you're a marketer where you could go in there and you can manage it all in one spot, that would be great. But for the end user, I don't think so. Um, Josh Constantine writes at the end of his TechCrunch piece on this. He goes, personally, I'm excited because it will make uh, DMing sources via Instagram easier and he'll spend less time on his phone uh, being distracted by other apps, which makes sense. And this is actually 10 years after Instagram's launch uh, since adding Direct. So the app finally kind of seems to be embracing its position as a utility, not just entertainment. What do you think about that, Grace? I absolutely agree. I think sometimes those of us working in this industry forget that you put it perfectly, Jeff, that it's it's not a lifestyle. It's a tool, right? right. It's just getting yeah. us. It's allowing us to reach our audiences. It's allowing them to connect with us as individuals. It allows us to connect with the people that we care about the most, ideally, or the people that we are just, you know, feeling bad about. I don't know. <laughs> well, I know that like, for example, the social team at Social Media Marketing World 2020 coming up at the beginning of March is going to be using it probably to, we use DMs a lot like uh, as customer yeah. service. And so this will yeah. be, make it a lot easier for us to go in using a, a laptop and the web interface to do that. So I'm sure we'll use that. Oh, we absolutely will. So Instagram added three new boomerang camera modes for stories, slow-mo, which, um, you know, will just take your video and kind of slow it down. There's echo, which has that blurry ghosty look when you're doing something, it has that like little uh, Mm -hmm. image that uh, follows you. And then duo, which is the rapid rewind, you know, back when we used to have VHS and you rewind something and, you know, play it again. VHS. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I I am timeless. I I grew up in all times, right? Laser disc. Yeah. Laserdisc. Uh, there are so many, um, after so many years, I remember boomerangs. I remember it, I think it's about six, four, five, six years now that it's been out. So it really hasn't gotten much of an improvement. This is the first time that they've really updated. The Instagram was saying that viewers simply skip past them in stories just because we're used to them. There's so many other, fe- I think there's, there's so many other features that people are just like, okay, next. And so right. have you tried these out, Jeff? Have you seen these? I've seen them, but I haven't tried them out much. I've been more playing with some of their other like creative tools. They've like you said uh, on stories that you can do. Uh, I really think because of all the stuff that Rachel even mentioned before, I think this is them trying to compete with some TikTok because, you know, there's all sorts of creative stuff you can do. Instagram kind of is a one trick pony with stories and they're trying to add some stuff to that. So it's going to be, uh, I, I think it's really going to be interesting how these two uh, go head to head. So it'll be interesting yeah. as this goes forward. 
So yeah, absolutely. Well, that's our show people. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great time to mention our, the support for our live show and podcast comes from social media marketing world, 2020. Hey, it's a new year. We got big goals coming up. I hope you guys do uh, that we're facing as marketers for 2020. If you could use a little direction or need to learn something new, such as TikTok marketing, or maybe just want to connect with other social media marketers that so you don't feel so desperately alone in your hometown, then join Social Media Marketing World. It's the place to be. Join us on San Diego, March 1st through 3rd for over 100 sessions on what's new and current and working in social media marketing right now. Grace and I and Rachel, we can't wait to meet you there. You can register for Social Media Marketing World 2020 and get your all access ticket by going to socialmediamarketing.world. That's socialmediamarketing.world. Grace, thank you so much. Awesome show as always. You, Jeff. Always, always so fun to be host, co-hosting this with you. And thank you, Rachel, for being with us here too. If you want details, links, notes, everything that we talked about in this show, you can find that uh, publishing on Saturdays at Social Media Examiner, socialmediaexaminer.com slash news. And Grace, uh, Grace does an awesome job with that. So you might need to make sure and go check that out because she always does a great job putting it together. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify with new episodes publishing every Saturday. Our next show is Friday, January 31st at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. You can actually sign up and get all the dates on a calendar by going to socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash live show. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Have a good weekend. Bye now. Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.